Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. God is indeed faithful, isn't he? I want to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of you for last week. I have spent the better part of this week just reading through all the cards that you sent. And for all of you that wrote notes or just made comments, uh, that truly is the best gift that you can give somebody at a time like this, to know that indeed your life has been impacted by being here at the church, that I have in some small way been a part of that. I do thank you for for the gift and and for all the cards and everything that you did. Uh, We are not finished yet. And the Lord is good, and he's going to lead us with his truth into all generations. And I know that that is true. If you've been here the last couple weeks, as we've been talking about the history of the church and how the Lord uh, is faithful in every generation, you know that as we began, we looked at the times that the church was founded in the Depression era and the fact that There weren't a lot of extra things to be had. There weren't a lot of notebooks, places to write things in. And so we had the Bible here for Pastor M.D. Beale, who wrote in her Bible and preached from it because that was what she had and that was what she used. She didn't have a lot of extra things to write on. And so we showed you the the, some of the pages that were all written up and the notes that she would put to teach from. And then the next week, we looked at what Pastor James Beale had in his Bible. He was, of course, ushered in after the war and a time of more prosperity. And so we have notebooks from him where he wrote everything out uh, in notebook form. And we have enough notebooks to fill this sanctuary, I think, because he was very prolific in what he wrote with all of his sermons, his books, the radio booklets. And In his Bible, too, we showed how he highlighted it with his pen, but basically wrote everything else out in notes uh, because he took that with him. He he spoke so often. And then last week, I showed you some of the Bibles I started with as when I came into uh, a time of teaching and preaching. There was so much new available information as the English Bible was being translated in so many more uh, ways. And so the big Bible I started with, it had at least four different translations in it. And then we looked at uh, the computer age coming on the scene and what a change that was. Is Now you can look up uh, just online the Word of God and there's like hundreds of English Bibles that you can just read back and forth in no time at all and just carry one thing along. So as the technology changes, the ways to present the Word of God to people changes. But the truth doesn't change. The word of God does endure from generation to generation. But as today, as we pass the torch to a new generation, a new pastor, and a new way of doing things, we certainly, I think we can all agree that we are in an age of technology today. And so as the word of God is presented to people, We do have it on the computer. We are able to carry our phones. We are able to carry laptops with us. We've got everything to make it uh, known that that's the word of God. But you also need something now, not just to put your Bible on the pulpit, 
but to be able to connect to the screen so that you can present the word of God to the next generation and the truth that is there in a way that they can see. So this morning, before we begin, I would like to present to Reverend Patrick Visker, if he will come up here. A Bible for the 21st century. And that Bible looks like this. It is a tablet that you can open up, you can look at, you can put right here on the pulpit. You don't even see it. And it's not hooked up now, but it will be hooked up so that it can go to the screens and you can take the truth to a new generation Thank in a you. new way. Thank Bless you. you. I'm a geek. So he, is a, he is a geek. <laughs> He's much better at the technology than I ever was, so he'll be good with it. <laughs> if you take your booklets that were handed out today and open them, you will see as you go towards the back for the service today what we call an ordination charge and then the charge for a senior pastor. Because today is an important day. Today is not just a time of transition, but it is a time for the Holy Spirit to transition us as well. And it is a time that we give a charge to new leadership because it's very important to understand what a charge is, why we do it, and the importance of a day like this. When you give a charge to someone, you not only are asking them to agree with what you're saying, but they are making a vow before the Lord. That's a promise. That's an oath. And when you make a vow before the Lord, it is a very serious decision. It is not something that one should ever do lightly, that you should ever undertake at the spur of the moment. To make a vow before the Lord is to spend time in prayer. It's to make sure that you have the direction of the Holy Spirit. It's to make sure that you know where you're going. Because once you make a vow... They cannot be easily broken. We have become a society where our words don't mean much anymore. Too often we promise things and it isn't long before we just break our promise, break our vows, and think that it doesn't matter. That whatever reason we have for breaking them will be good enough for everybody. But when you make a vow, when you make a promise, and especially when that promise is made before the Lord, It is not easily broken because we know that the Lord remembers and the Lord knows. And we know that someday all of us will stand before the Lord at judgment. And in that judgment, we will be responsible for everything that we have said and everything that we have promised. And if we have broken our promises, we will have to give an account for it. So when you take a vow, when you make a promise... It helps you to stay committed, helps you to stay faithful, helps you to know that what you have said isn't about how you feel or the days when it's difficult or the days when you just would like to give up, but it means you stay faithful to what you promised because the Lord is in the vow and the Holy Spirit guides us. We also make a vow because when you stand before a congregation like this and you promise to do something, all of you here 
what is being promised. And it is the various aspects of the vow that we hold people to. So in the future, if you think someone isn't doing the right thing or not doing a good job, the way you determine that is whether or not they have stayed faithful to the promises that they have made. Because all of us at one time or another get irritated with each other, don't like decisions that are made, have some reason to want to remove somebody for whatever personal grudges we may carry. But the only thing that counts before the Lord is whether or not a person has remained faithful to what they have promised they will do. And if they remain faithful, then it's only the Lord that moves them on because we are people led by the Holy Spirit. I'm often asked how I manage through some very, very difficult times. And part of it is because I made a vow. And when you promise something, you don't give it up. Not in the hard times, not in the difficult times, and you enjoy the good times. But you know if the Holy Spirit is in it, if Jesus Christ has called you to do something, then you just do it. And he will take care of everything else. And you know he does because he's faithful. And he brings us from one season to the next. And this morning we are as we've said over the last, even last year, entering into a new season. And as the Holy Spirit leads us into a new season, he indeed equips us for that season so that we can be the church that he wants us to be. And so this morning we are equipping new leadership to be able to carry this church into the next 82 years or however long the Lord will have us here to do his work for his kingdom. In the last few weeks, we have experienced the Holy Spirit moving in our midst in a wonderful way. The reign of the Holy Spirit coming. Because as we've said, we can water, we can plant, we can do all the work, but it's only God that can send the rain and give the increase. And a few people have said to me, why are you changing now? when it just seems like the Lord is really starting to move and this is when you should stay. And I say, no, this is how I know that it is time to move. It is time to change because the reign of the Holy Spirit is here. That means the approval of the Lord Jesus Christ is with us, that he is in this transition, that he has work for me to do that will go in a direction that I will follow and see where it opens up. But also he has work for new leadership to do in this church. And we will find the blessing of the Lord if we work together in unity and work together for the church of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we first of all will be ordaining Julie Visker. If you take and look at the ordination charge that is in your booklet here, it's got her picture right next to it so you can't miss the page. You will see this is the charge that we give to all those who are ordained in this church. We won't take the time this morning to read the entire charge because we have two of them to do, and they are long, but I encourage you to read it over if you haven't done that, to see what it is that we are promising before the Lord to do. The charge for ordination comes from Scripture, and you see the Scriptures at the bottom of the page 
that tell you where this charge has come from. Because to be an ordained minister of Jesus Christ is really the highest uh, level of ministerial office that we have in this church. It means that as a minister, you are able to perform all the ministerial duties uh, that are bestowed upon us, from administering the sacraments, uh, running funerals, weddings, and presiding over congregational meetings where the preaching and teaching of the word uh, is given. To be an ordained minister means that you have already been proven faithful. And as you see, and if you look at Julie's biography there, she has been a part of this church for a very long time. From the church council and leadership in 2002, a commission minister in 2007, and a licensed minister in 2009. And through all these levels of leadership, has proved herself faithful to the promises that she has made and to the uh, commission that she was given. And so because of that faithfulness and commitment, in just a moment we will be giving her the charge of ordination and laying hands on her to ask the Holy Spirit indeed to direct her. And then on the next page you will see the charge for the role of senior pastor. Of course, everything that's involved in the ordination charge is really foundational to the next charge as well. They're not really different charges, because once you promise something, you continue. And Patrick Visker is already an ordained minister, so he has already submitted to that charge and has been found faithful in it. But the role of senior pastor takes on a different responsibility as well. As we talked about, when we talked about Pastor James Beale being the shepherd of the sheep, we still use that analogy for the role of a senior pastor. That it means you are the shepherd of a particular flock, in this case, Bethesda Christian Church. That you're the leader of this church. You are the one to whom the Holy Spirit speaks and gives direction for where this church will go. You are responsible before God for the care and for the direction of these people. If you read through the charge that is on this page, you will see, if you turn to the Bible, that in Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel wrote and prophesied to the shepherds of Israel that they had not done a good job and they would be held accountable for leading the people astray because leadership is very important in the church of Jesus Christ. And leadership means that we are responsible for the direction we take the church, the direction we take the people. And so Jesus Christ is still the head of his church. And we can never do anything as leaders that would be contrary to the direction that Jesus Christ leads his church, which means we can't do anything contrary to the word of God. And so what we find in the word of God, the Bible, is our foundation. It is the truth that we teach, and it is the truth that we will continue to teach from one generation to the next. So this morning, we give these charges that you see in your booklet to both Julie and Patrick as we commission them for service in this church to assume a new leadership role and to be the pastors for all of you and in your care. So if the two of you will come over here now, I will give you this charge before the Lord and get it all here.
thank you for being willing to take this. We have discussed this together. They have obviously read it. They have prayed about it, and they know it. And so, Julie, I begin with you. You have read the charge. You know what it is. We have discussed it together. So will you accept the commitment, the promises that have been discussed, and are you willing to accept them because you know this is the direction that Jesus Christ has for your life and not because of any pressure or anything that people would put on you, but this is the direction the Lord has for you. Will you, you will accept that charge. Thank you. And Patrick, as we have put that charge in the booklet and you have looked over it, will you indeed promise to care for this flock Bethesda that God is entrusting to you? Will you watch over them willingly and not grudgingly? Will you refrain from gathering a people to yourself for your own gain, but gather them because you are eager to see them establish a relationship with Jesus Christ? Lead them by example in all areas of doctrine and behavior. Will you feed this people the true word of God? Will you take care of the weak, tend to the sick and injured, and find and help those who are lost? Will you lead in love and kindness and not harshness and cruelty? And will you strive always to be like Jesus in your relationships with people? Yes, I will. Thank you. Will you come now so that we can lay hands on you and bless you in the name of the Lord? And as we pray for them, the trustees are standing with us. The church council is sitting behind me as well. Everyone you see on the platform now from the ministers on this side, to the trustees, to the elders and deacons sitting behind me. This is the leadership group of the church who is standing in unity with us this morning as we ask the Lord's blessing. And as we pray, I'm going to ask all of you, if you will stand and if you will raise your hands just towards these them as we pray together as well. Heavenly Father, as I begin with Julie, Lord, I just ask that by your Holy Spirit, your blessing would rest upon her. Lord, I thank you for her faithfulness. I thank you for her desire to serve your church. I thank you for all that she has done to this point. But Lord, I ask now that as we lay hands and bless her in the name of Jesus Christ, that your Holy Spirit would indeed open her eyes to what you would take her into the future to do. Lord, bless her. Bless her to overflowing. May you open doors of blessing. May she be able to see clearly those that you would seek to put into places of leadership, those that would work with her. Lord, those who need help. Her heart has always been to help those that need help. And Lord, I just ask you to expand that care and that love. May all those that work with her, Lord, know that love. May new people coming in see that love. And may they be able to find not only you as their Savior, but a church home filled with love and care. Help her as she leads the ministry staff, Lord, to meet the needs of this church. May they be able to work together in unity. And may your Holy Spirit just rest upon her as we ordain her now. As an ordained minister of this church, I ask your blessing upon her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Lord, now I ask that your mantle of leadership will be transferred 
to Reverend Patrick Visker. Lord, as we pray for him, Lord, I just ask that through your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit would not only impart a blessing to him, Lord, but that you would impart to him a fresh anointing, an ability to lead this flock. Lord, open his ears to hear clearly what you would say to him for this church. May he be divinely inspired to take your word and break it to this congregation and lead them for you. May his wisdom begin to grow and new understanding of what your word says so that that understanding can be imparted to a generation, Lord, that has come farther and farther from the truth. May the truth of your word be embedded in his heart. May he know and hear clearly your voice for this generation. May this church come together to work with him, Lord, to reach the needs of this generation. Give him that stern backbone, Lord, to stand in times of testing with difficult people, with things that may happen. Whatever the future may hold, Lord, equip him to be able to handle it. May your Holy Spirit reside in him and direct him all of his days. And in this new season, may he be equipped with new ability by your Holy Spirit, an ability to hear, to direct, to lead. And may the people see a new spirit and anointing upon him, Lord, to do that, equipped by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the word of God. I pray now that your blessing would be imparted to him that your Holy Spirit would lead him. I thank you for raising him up and the faithfulness that he has shown to this congregation. And Lord, may you bless him for that faithfulness and commitment now as we put him into your hands and as for the Holy Spirit's direction. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And everyone together said, Amen. And God bless. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. years ago when I first met you would you ever have imagined that one day you would be pastoring a church Jules 35 years ago when I first met you no way (laughs) I fell in love with you we started out life together we had different ideas we had different plans Uh, we thought God was going to take us on a totally different direction what did we know when when our kids were young uh, and Emily was just a baby we made a conscious decision that we needed to do the right thing and train up our children properly. And we rooted down here at the church. And you know, I saw God work on you. I saw him open doors of opportunity for you. Uh, You have leadership qualities that I've seen that have just blossomed. Uh, I remember when Pastor Dunn put you in charge of a class so early on. We'd only been here about a year, really. I remember that. Yeah, that was... uh, that was the beginning, and you have used those leadership gifts. You have 
seen in people, their gifts, their talents. You're great at putting them in a place where they find fulfillment and they serve. And it's wonderful. I'm really looking forward to what God has in store now for the future. I remember the first day I saw you teach. We were in teacher's training, and they gave an assignment that we had to teach a lesson to the class, and you taught a lesson on the least of these. And I remember just sitting there watching you teach, and I was in awe because here I had been married to you, and I never knew that you had this gift. And from there, you went on to teach high school, and you continued to teach, and then eventually preach. And long story short, here you are today. Yeah, God brought us to this staff 13 years ago. Yeah. And we've learned a lot. We have been able to uh, use the enablings that God has given us. And it's been really quite a journey to come to this place. As I think about the church, it's been fantastic that we've been able to connect with the whole church. Every generation of the church, our church is multi-generational, and that's a wonderful thing. I'm really looking forward to the future with this group of people. What are you looking forward to as God unfolds our future leading Bethesda Christian Church? There's so many things I'm looking forward to, but if I had to narrow it down to three things, I'm looking forward to connecting all generations of this church. I love that we're a cross-generational church. I'm also looking forward to providing more opportunities for people to use their God-given gifts and talents in the church. And I'm especially looking forward to working with this congregation to reach those in the surrounding communities who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Just the thought of that just excites me so much. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you. You have been so wonderful to Pat and I since the announcement last June when Pastor Annalee announced the changing of leadership. We cannot thank you enough for the wonderful kind words, cards, love, support, encouragement that you have given us. We look so forward to what the Lord would have in store for us as we work together as a church for his purpose. Pat? Are you ready to give your first message as senior pastor of Bethesda? No, I'm not. I gotta change into my black suit. Alright. Okay, so I've changed into my black suit. Good morning, good morning. Oh my gosh, thank you. I just have to take a minute, take a breath, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you first. Thank you first to Pastor Dunn. Thank you for your trust and your confidence. Uh, Julie and I appreciate it more than you know. And thank you to James. Uh, You've been a mentor, and I've appreciated all that you've done for me. You've helped me quite a bit. Thank you. And I want to say thank you to every single person who's sitting here this morning. Here, first of all, I know to show some of your appreciation and love to Pastor Dunn as she moves on into her new season and a new part of her life and ministry. And thank you for being here to support this 
transition in leadership, Julie and I are just overwhelmingly grateful to all of you who've encouraged us. Since a year ago, when Pastor Dunn announced her intentions, you have given us so much support. You've expressed your willingness to serve. You have prayed for us. You've prayed with us. And we just appreciate all of you. And I want to say to uh, my fellow ministers and staff, you've been an excellent, excellent support. You have welcomed us with open arms. You're, we are working well together. And it's my pleasure to move forward with you. Thank you and thank you. Look at this. This is a great church council behind me. And they have... Uh, <laughs> This is part of our leadership, the trustees and the deacons and the elders of our church. You have carried us, and I know you're going to help carry this church into the future. And Julie and I say, thank you to you. God bless you. We appreciate the warm, warm welcome we've received. I want to say thanks to... uh, a whole bunch of my family, Julie's family that are here this morning over here. Your, uh, your love and your care is fantastic. Thank you for being here. You've supported us. Uh, my mother is here today. Thank you. To everyone who's worked so hard, we've had four services leading up today, and there has been a lot of work that has gone into them. There's been a lot of work that's gone into the reception that's going to follow uh, this morning. Thank you so much, and I want to say a a great thank you to the choir. Uh, I know you've scattered around in here, but you did a great job this morning. And uh, Reverend Terry Allen, thank you. He picked songs that I love and are near and dear to my heart. They're my favorites. Lord, you are good. The children did an excellent job. Your moves were great. Uh, I loved them. I wanted to come up and dance with you like I did in December. That was outstanding. You do a great job. I'd love to name every single name of every person that has just been uh, part of moving this church forward and part of the support. Time doesn't permit it all, but God bless you all. Today's a cause. It is a great day. It's a cause for celebration. And I want to say the furthest reason to celebrate today is me or Julie. We are here instead to celebrate God's faithfulness because he has been faithful. The Lord saw fit to establish this church 82 years ago and to have blessed it and to have carried it through many highs and many lows and many changes, and there has been transitions of leadership. But for 82 years, God has been faithful. And I believe in my heart of hearts that God will carry this church far forward into the future, far beyond my life, far beyond all of our lives. I believe his truth is going to endure to all generations. There's no doubt in my mind. Psalm 100 has been our theme for the past four weeks. It's a celebratory psalm. It's a psalm of praise. There is a great declaration at the close of that psalm. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. This is the declaration part. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. That's a great declaration. It's one I've taken to heart. For those of you who haven't been with us and you haven't had the, the uh, privilege to be here the last few weeks, we have rehearsed God's faithfulness to this church for the past 82 years. How Bethesda began under Pastor M.D. Beale, how the church was expanded, how it was bolstered, how it was sustained by James Beale and by Annalee Dunn. And this church will continue into the future. How can I be so confident? How can I so boldly say this church will continue into the future? I can say it because God continues into the future. God has never failed to go on. From the moment of creation, God has advanced and moved forward a plan. He gave to our first parents, Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, and he blessed them, and he commanded them just one thing. Don't eat from one tree. And then he pronounced to them what would be the consequence if they neglected to obey his command. And when they disobeyed, because they did, the curse of death fell on them. And they were removed from their garden. They were cast out. And was that the end of it all? No, that was not the end of it all. God had a plan. God had a plan. He was not going to neglect his creation. He revealed a plan to satisfy his justice for the violation. And this was the plan. The plan was that the same nature which brought sin into the world should also make atonement for it. So God did what? God became flesh. God took on the form of a man. He came to his creation in the person of Jesus Christ. Because in the first man, Adam, all die. But in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, all can be made alive. God's justice. God, amen, brother. Yes. You, you can be excited today. It's, it's good. Because that's the plan. That's the plan available to all of us. God's, God's justice was satisfied in Jesus. And Jesus established a kingdom. And his kingdom began to grow and it began to expand. But you know what? His kingdom, it wasn't received by everyone. Many tried to conquer the kingdom of Christ. And they have one thing in common. All of them have failed. All of them have failed and all of them will fail. You know the world, the world wants to pronounce Christianity dead. And that is nothing new. The chief priests 
and the Pharisees of the first century, they conspired with the Roman, the Roman governor, uh, Pilate, to crucify Jesus Christ. But you know what? They couldn't keep him in the grave. Oh, trampled grave, we sung. Oh, trampled grave, where is your sting? They couldn't keep Jesus down in the tomb. He rose from the dead. And the pilots and the chief priests and the Pharisees of each successive generation, they've done their best to keep Christ buried in the grave. They've done their best to keep him in a dark tomb. And they have failed every single time. In the early history of the church, emperors like Nero and emperors like Diocletian, they tried to eradicate Christianity from the face of the earth. Churches were destroyed. The scriptures were burned. People were killed for sport. The legal rights of Christians were taken away. But then came an emperor named Constantine. Constantine accepted Christ. And he put a stop to the persecution. And he called for councils that began to solidify Christianity. And they established creeds. And you know what? The kingdom of Christ rolled on. As history moved forward, time after time after time, Christianity was assaulted. Wars of the Middle Ages, the philosophies of the Enlightenment age, they all did their best to eliminate faith and to eliminate Jesus Christ and to put a stop to his kingdom. But time after time after time... Christianity survived, and it thrived. In the 20th century, it was communism. Communism tried to create the godless state. There was gulags and prisons. They were used to break the human spirit and to force souls to acknowledge the state as God. Communism tried to stamp out Christianity. And where is it today? Today, the Iron Curtain is gone. Vladimir Lenin is dead. Joseph Stalin is dead. Nikolai Ceausescu and all these other godless dictators, they are dead. And in places like Romania, where communism tried to wipe out Christianity, the church is growing and it is expanding. Is it not inspirational to us? Is it not inspirational to us as Christ followers? To have this assurance that despite every effort of the pilots and the chief priests and the Pharisees of each century to imprison and keep our Savior buried and sealed in the tomb of the world, his truth has endured to all generations. God has shown us, he has shown us over and over that Christ is risen and he has risen in all of his majesty and he has risen in all of his power and his kingdom shall rule. Pilate and the accusers of the Lord who crucified him, they have long since moldered into dust. But Christ and his kingdom, they still live. And what do we face today? What do we face in this generation And should we be daunted by it? Islamic terrorism, secular humanism, societal hedonism, persecution and bigotry and all the unbelief of the age. They have all proclaimed this prophetic dirge over the grave of Christianity. 
Yet the cross of Christ still stands. You know, I'm proud to be standing beneath a cross that shoots way high in the air. And it's a landmark in the city of Sterling Heights. And people drive by it and they see it. The cross of Jesus Christ still stands. Churches are still being built. Christian truth is widening its influence. We don't need to be daunted by these attacks on Christianity. Souls are being converted and his truth still endures. Jesus Christ has proved he is victorious. Though, so, so I can say, I can stand up here with confidence and I can say here at this local church called Bethesda, his truth shall endure. It has endured for 82 years, and it will continue to endure as we stay true to him. In the weeks and the months ahead, I want to present a vision for Bethesda's future to keep all of us, to keep every generation of the church, to keep the whole church advancing in the truth of God's word. I want us all to know the truth of God's word, to live out his word and to spread the truth of his word to all generations, youngest to the oldest. Julie is my partner in ministry. She is my partner in pastoring this church, and she is committed to it. All of the ministers, all of the staff, and the church council I've spoken to, and they are committed to it. We will advance his truth by knowing the word, by living the word, and by spreading the word. And we want the whole church with us. We want all of Bethesda with us. Over 20 years ago, I made a commitment. It was right here on this very platform on a Sunday morning. It was actually the first time I was able to stand up here on the platform and address a congregation of Bethesda. Julie and I had taken Bethesda's catechism class together. And it was confirmation day. And I was given the privilege to be able to speak for my class. I remember Pastor Beal introducing me, being able to walk to the pulpit, tell my story. I told how Julie and I had come to that class, how we had really committed our lives. We had turned our lives over to Jesus Christ, and we were not going to look back. Weeks ago, I was rooting through some archives, uh, the tapes and things that we have stored for some of the Sundays that we've had leading to today. I was looking for some sermons that M.D. Beale preached and some sermons that James Beale preached and Lo and behold, I came across a cassette tape of that very day that I was able to speak. So I thought, well, I wonder. I'm just guessing. Really, they probably only recorded the message. I wouldn't be on there. And I put the tape in, and I heard my voice. And you know, it's a weird thing to hear your voice recorded. Uh, But I listened to it, and it took me back to that time. And I can't uh, can't share with you the entire talk that I gave that morning, but I want to share with you how I concluded, how I wrapped up that morning 
as I made a pledge. So we've got that this morning, and if you would, play that. The key is this relationship with Jesus Christ. Is life going to be perfect now? No. Are we never going to struggle? No. We know we're human beings and we're imperfect and we're prone to failure. But I've made my decision. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Thank you. That's a declaration that came straight from Scripture, from Joshua 24, verse 15. When Joshua challenged the nation, the nation of Israel, he said, set aside everything. Get rid of everything that distracts you, everything that keeps you from serving the Lord. Joshua said, if serving the Lord Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, the gods they serve beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Since I made that declaration over two decades ago, my life hasn't been perfect. I have had my share of struggles. I've had my share of life lessons. But I did my best to keep the commitment. And I'm going to do my best to keep that commitment moving forward. And I thank God. I thank God. My household serves the Lord. Julie has been with me in that commitment. And we have been blessed to see both of our daughters grow to be women of God. It uh, it was a little emotional, actually, for me this morning to see them up here using their musical gifts One of them on the keyboard, the other one singing, serving the Lord with their gifts. But today, our household has expanded. I have been set over this, the household of Bethesda. It is my commitment that this house, the house of Bethesda, will serve the Lord. And I want you, I want all of you to commit with me. I want you to make the pledge and keep the vow. We heard this morning from Pastor Don about the importance of keeping a commitment. A pledge as simple as, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It has meaning. It meant something to me and to my family. And I want it to mean something to this church. I want you all to make the pledge and keep the vow. Commit as an individual to resolve without reservation to serve the Lord every day. And if you're the head of a household, determine continually that your household will serve the Lord. And then this house, then this house that's called the house of Bethesda will remain an integral part of the enduring kingdom of Christ and we will advance his truth from generation to generation. Nothing will thwart us. Nothing will stop us. With God by our side, who can be against us? And if you make... And, 
And if you will make that commitment, I want to pray. I want to close in prayer this morning. If you'll make that commitment to serve the Lord, if you can say, like Joshua, ask the nation, if you can respond like the nation did, because they said they would serve the Lord, we'll put aside the distractions. We won't worry about what the world's doing. We will not let it dissuade us that the world wants to keep Christ buried because we know the truth and we'll advance the truth. And we will be people who will serve the Lord. If you'll make that commitment, just raise your hand as I pray. Father, thank you for this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for every single person, young to old, in this sanctuary this morning. They all have been made in your image and your likeness, God. You know every single soul. And Lord, as we make a pledge to you this morning to serve you, Lord, a simple statement. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. May you help us keep that commitment, God. Help us keep that commitment as individuals. Help us to keep that commitment by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, in our homes. And God, may we be keeping it here in your church. Use this church, God. You have blessed it and kept it for so many years and decades. God, we pray that you would use it far into the future. Lord, we're not being presumptuous. We're seeking you. We're asking for your help. But we're confident in your faithfulness. We're confident in your blessing. We're confident that you will see us through. Keep us, Lord. Watch over us. Bless this congregation. Bless this fold, God. May your hand of grace, your loving kindness, and your mercy be upon them. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. God bless you and thank you.